Accountable care organizations involve groups of health care providers working together to provide better coordinated care that's aided by secure patient information exchange. That secure data sharing can allow a primary care doctor, for instance, to be better informed about the treatments that a patient with a chronic illness receives from other clinicians such as specialists. Accountable care organizations, or ACOs, are also a key component of health care reform under the Affordable Care Act. I'm Marion Kolbesak-McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Farzad Mastashari, former Department of Health and Human Services, National Coordinator for Health IT. Since leaving the ONC last fall, Dr. Mastashari recently launched Alidaid, a firm that helps primary care physicians to form ACOs. Now, to start, you've obviously been very busy since leaving ONC. Please briefly describe what Elidate is and why you launched it. So since leaving ONC, I spent the past nine months at the Brookings Institution uh, with uh, some great thinkers like Mark McClellan and Alice Rivlin, really looking at the payment side of the equation and how can we have not just the technology and data to do population health, but also have business models and payment mechanisms that will make it worth using that information and changing practice to keep people healthy. And that is what really underpins this idea of accountable care, is that there are now incentives for primary care physicians and others to actually manage the care of their patients better, coordinate care, make sure that transitions of care happen more safely, focus on prevention, do all the stuff that we were creating the data infrastructure for and get paid for it. So that's the promise of accountable care. Unfortunately, a lot of these independent small primary care practices need help before they can start these accountable care structures. And so that's what uh, that's what we set out to do, is to really give them everything they need uh, to be able to start uh, and join an ACL and be successful. What role does secure and interoperable data exchange play in accountable care organizations, and how will Elidade help facilitate that with the small practices? I talked about the, the data being the infrastructure on which uh, this is built, and, and that's absolutely true. One of the reasons why this time is different from 20 years ago, a lot of people say, oh, ACOs, they're just like HMOs, right? Wrong. Uh, what's different about this time is that, that we have tools that we didn't have before to be able to manage the patient's care better. So we're not just doing gatekeeping. Give me some examples. So one is, um, how do we identify which patients need intervention today? Well, we need to bring together claims data, but also clinical data from the electronic health records and patient-reported observations and clinical intuition to do that data segmentation. So that's a, that will require some pretty sophisticated ability to move data around, to aggregate it, to link it together, and then to do predictive analytics on top of that and to keep that information with all that, that personal health information secure. Another major, major need is for you to know where your patient is. If if someone said, if your patient's in the hospital and you don't know about it, you're not doing population health. So that's the second goal, is to make sure that all those admissions, discharges, and transfers 
there's notifications that come back to the primary care provider and then response protocols for what do you do when your patient gets discharged? How do you get him a phone call with them with, within 48 hours? How do you get him back into the office within seven days? So that's the second part of this. And the third part is coordination across specialists. The, I think the most dreaded words in the English language for a patient are when they go to visit a specialist and the specialist says, so, why are you here? <laughs> the patient's like, what? You don't know already? You, 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 didn't, you didn't get anything from my primary care doc? And then they go back to the primary care doc, and what does the primary care doc say? Oh, what did the specialist say? <laughs> right? So improving that, that closing those referral loops, those information loops, is, is a third key task that involves information exchange, but it's really very much targeted for this specific use case of better care at lower cost. Now, you're going to be helping these independent physicians participate in ACOs. What do you think of the biggest data privacy and security hurdles facing smaller doctor practices that might not have a full-time IT staff person or even a security specialist on board? This all is informed by the work we did in New York City now almost 10 years ago where we worked with independent, 233 independent primary care practices. And one of our first hires, actually, was a lawyer who had been on on the wrong end of a breach. And she had had to personally have her name on tens of thousands of letters that went out to patients uh, explaining the breach and, and, and so forth. So we wanted to make sure that we had that sort of experience on board as we went around the practices helping them understand not just their obligations under the HIPAA privacy and security rules, but kind of what are the common sense things they should do, whether it's around administrative protections, whether it's physical security, whether it's technical protections, to keep the the patient information private and secure. And that's going to be, I think, another, as as we now are, are kind of raising the ante, not just about having electronic information in the offices, but also being able to exchange it with specialists, receiving information from the health plan, from the hospital, and so forth, that those information, both over the wire and on the platter, as they say, are are secure. Are there any particular technologies or standards that you'll be using in helping these practices exchange data securely? We don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, there's a lot of now standard technologies throughout the industry um, for encryption, for example, that, uh, that that we can and should use. No one should have an, uh, you know, patient information on an unencrypted uh, laptop or mobile device. We should take advantage of cloud-based architectures wherever wherever possible, so the information isn't persisted on the devices. Uh, so those are those are the kind of industry standard. Uh, I guess I would say technologies that we want to bring to bear. Our chief technology officer is Edwin Miller, who's the veteran of uh, over 20 uh, health IT companies and has been was involved with uh, three of the biggest cloud-based EHR solutions with Athena Clinicals, with Practice Fusion, and CareCloud. And he is uh, just um, wonderful to have on the team leading our, our infrastructure and, and technology stack. So now under HIPAA Omnibus, business associates are also directly liable for HIPAA compliance. It sounds like Allidade might be considered a business associate to covered entities. Are are there any particular steps that you're taking at your company to ensure HIPAA compliance? 
Absolutely. I mean, look, even if we weren't, we would still feel that way, that if we're partnering with these practices, that we need to not only help them meet the, the HIPAA privacy security requirements, but we can we cannot afford to be a weak link in that ourselves. So any information that we would have that is personally identifiable information uh, would be kept on all the standard uh, security requirements. We're going to have a uh, secure data warehouse with a provider who would then sign a HIPAA BAA with us. So those are, I think, some of the common sense protections, but we also want to pay particular attention to the more of the, uh, the administrative, not just the technical, but the administrative aspect of security and, and privacy protections as well, making sure that, for example, in the physician practices, there's a very strong process for informing patients about how their information is used, giving them the opportunity, for example, under the uh, ACO regulations to opt out of claims data sharing, but more importantly, to have make sure that they have truly informed consent about what we're going to be doing and why and you know, the ways in which it can benefit them. So now, as more health data is digitized nationwide, including patient genomic data, what do you think will be the greatest challenges in safeguarding that big health data? I think that the biggest challenge, if you think about the fair information practices in the age of big data, is purpose specification and use limitation, you know, the concept of minimum data necessary. Because the alternative, the big data alternative to that is kind of collect it all and pool it all and aggregate it all and maybe for things that we have no idea what the value of it later on is going to be, but let's get all the data and then we'll figure out what to do with it. And that is very seductive, but I think it is still important for us to be more hypothesis-driven, to not just uh, indiscriminately scoop up patient information for because who knows, it might be useful. I still think that, that those principles, those fair information uh, principles are still valuable and that we should have a high bar in reaching out and gathering additional information if we really don't uh, can't come up with a hypothesis, at least, that we can test in terms of its value for patients. Now, you mentioned earlier some work that you did in New York City prior to joining ONC, and I know some of the work you did in New York City involved the, the development of real-time electronic disease surveillance systems. Were there any privacy or security lessons that you learned from that work that you think can be applied elsewhere in the healthcare sector? Oh, absolutely. You know, when as I was leaving New York City, we published a pair of articles in health affairs. One was a description of what we'd done with the Regional Extension Center program that later became the model for the Extension Center program. Uh, the second was a paper that Clay Shirky, Carol Diamond of the Markle Foundation, and I wrote about a new paradigm for population health, which basically said uh, we can move the questions to the data instead of centralizing the data in a place where we, the questions can go to them. And we took that principle of saying, let's aggregate the information, keep it at the source, and have the questions move to the data as a model for us. So at ONC, again, it, for many it was like, well, why aren't we, if we're paying for these EHRs, why aren't we getting patient-level data from this effort? And I was adamant that we don't need it and we don't want it. And we should, if we want to know about what's happening for quality, let the 
EHRs calculate the quality measures and report those aggregated quality measures. If we want to know what's happening with the syndromic surveillance, let's collect the minimum information we need, which is the counts of how many people, for example, had fever or flu, uh, instead of uploading all that information to a, to a central place and a single point of failure, potentially. So that experience, I think, it's good policy and it's good for privacy. Now, changing gears just slightly, looking ahead as the High Tech Act funding winds down, including funding for health information exchange organizations and also the regional extension centers that, you know, do indeed provide or they did provide technical assistance to the smaller healthcare providers. What are your biggest privacy and security related worries? Do you think there's enough support out there for these smaller institutions that, again, might not have deep pockets? for IT support and help, and particularly the security angle? I think the extension centers have been really marvelous, indispensable resources for smaller practices. Seventy percent of rural primary care providers have have used their uh, services. There's a very high level of satisfaction with those services. The GAO found that people were twice as likely to achieve meaningful use, including the privacy and security requirements. Uh, and that was one of the main challenges listed for them. So I do worry that if they are no longer uh, supported, that that there could be a, a void there in terms of the boots on the ground who can actually help practices uh, with this. My One of my hopes, uh, however, is that as extension centers really deepen their services, they move more into practice transformation and, and help practices with these new models of care, that that could be a sustainable business model for the extension centers. And uh, here at Allidade, we're excited to uh, to be one of the, the, the groups, I hope many groups, who would see the extension centers as a resource in, in this way. What do you think are the biggest privacy and security challenges facing the healthcare sector moving ahead? I, I think the one of the key challenges is how do we get to that idea of big data while respecting patient autonomy and control. And for me, one of the most exciting possibilities is this concept of the N of 1 health information exchange, where the patient is the agent for collecting, combining their information from multiple places, and then grants access to that information consciously, grants access to that information, whether it's for research or public health, uh, or other purposes, or to improve their own care. And the blue button and what's happening around mobile and, and what Apple's doing and Google's doing and Microsoft's doing, once these large Internet companies get in the game of helping people really collect and curate their own health information, I think that opens up tremendous opportunities for people to truly be in control of and aware of and in the loop, as it were, of how their information is being used. Does that also create more risk, do you think, in terms of the privacy and security? I think it's a, it's a solution to a problem. And the, the problem is we want to be able to generate the benefits from big data, uh, but there's a risk that as more and more information gets more and more separated from the patient, that they would not even be aware of how their information is being used and combined with other potential data sources. Thank you, Dr. Mastashari. I've been speaking to the former ONC leader, Farzad Mastashari. I'm Marian Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group.
Thanks for listening.